and welcome back to another episode of Greatest of All Talk. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other line, Ben Gover. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. I gotta say, it's incredibly rare. So rare indeed. Rarer than a once-in-a-blue-moon situation. Maybe even rarer than a once-in-a-blood-moon situation. Rarer <laughs> than a solar eclipse. Rarer than a total eclipse of the heart. I cannot believe it. You actually got one right. I, I was racking my brains. When was the last time Andrew was right about anything? You know, let alone a big thing. Just anything. <laughs> I want to say it was the 2016 NBA Finals when you somehow predicted the Cavaliers were going to win that series. And mm. as we've been chatting this afternoon, you're so giddy about this Phoenix Suns uh, victory over the Los Angeles Lakers not only did you put together a rundown that's just like 72 emails of people <laughs> saying, congratulations, Andrew was right, with one email buried at the bottom asking you to atone for your Kawhi Leonard takes. Yeah, maybe we'll get to that. We'll see today. Who Andrew. knows? Know. Who can say? We may not have time for Kawhi today. But you could eat, barely even spit out your words this afternoon, Andrew, as we were mm. chatting. You're so excited. You're so amped up. You're just loving life right now. It was nothing but exclamation points in group text. You're throwing me on there with people I don't even know as you're <laughs> taking your victory lap during the game. I just want it to be known, though. Not only did you shake your confidence in game three, you were shook. I mean, uh -huh. you were really nervous. But when I came on here and told you flat out, Phoenix is going to win game six, take it to the bank on the last episode, you almost fell out of your chair. I could hear the sound effects on that side. So I don't know if it was a situation where like, you know, you had the first five numbers on the lottery ticket, right? And you were just worried about not having that last one come <laughs> up the wrong direction or, or exactly how you explain it. I guess really the, the point is... It's all about the destination here, not so much the journey. You were with the Suns. You were not with the Suns. You were back with them really hard. They scared mm. you at the final moment. But in the end, you arrived at your victory lap and, and enjoy yourself. Go ahead. Let's take it. Well, I mean, I do feel really good today. Raymond said, I imagine Andrew Sharp is walking around in his Right About the Big Things t-shirt feeling as proud as Davis Bertans on contract signing day. And that's exactly where I am. $80 million worth of correctness uh, for me and my son's takes me and my Lakers takes. Um, it feels good across the board. And thank you for mentioning my pick uh, in the 2016 finals. I called the Cavs winning that title late in the season. Another one of my greatest hits. And now here we are again, Ben. Your second greatest hit. I mean, this, there's two. I mean, I think usually when people say greatest hits, it's like a doubles album, you know? It's like Tupac. They tried to squeeze like 28 different tracks on there, and they probably could have gone to a third disc if necessary. Um, you know, this is – I don't know if you need that second disc on this one. I mean, look, I would have recorded this podcast at 2 a.m. last night. Unfortunately, you were stuck at Staples Center, but I've been ready to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was doing my job. What kind of framing is this? Come on. <laughs> Ever since the first quarter of Game 6, when Devin Booker is just out of his mind, channeling the Holy Spirit, I think he had 26 or – 30 points in that first quarter. It was outstanding, and I've been ready ever since. So let's just go through it. We'll start with this. Sam says, Ben, I think it will take a while before seeing Andrew again while he takes a victory lap. 
so big it can be seen from outer space. Wow, I we're swear. on the same wavelength. Look, <laughs> I mean, I was talking eclipses, I was talking moons, and here's Sam right there with the uh, with the same idea, the same framing, the same concept. Yes, and he adds, luckily, Ben, you will have your new son's oh, t-shirt no. to play with in the meantime. And that's right, as first reported by at Goat NBA Pod after the buzzer last night, the Suns shirt, the latest gift from the Phoenix Suns advent calendar, has been purchased, and it is on its way to California as we speak. Are you excited for this latest addition to your closet? Well, have you seen those super fans where the guy will have like 32 different Steph Curry jerseys, right? And then he'll go on TikTok and just like peel one off, peel one off. Am I about to be like Mr. Valley of the Sun right now where I'm going to be able to do some like real viral content of just like, you know, stripping all these Phoenix Suns t-shirts off? Um, the other one still sits untouched. I imagine mm. this one will be just a similar complete waste of your money. I had a question for you, though. Um, it's sort of a loyalty test, honestly. Let's what? say AD never tweaked the knee and never had the groin injury. Do you still believe, after what we saw through like the first quarter of Game 4, that the Suns were going to pull this thing out? Because, like I said, you were a little shaky there for a couple times. You were riding the roller coaster. So I'm curious, fully healthy AD, and LeBron stays the same as LeBron was, would mm-hmm. you have picked the Suns to win that series after they were down 2-1? Um, would I have picked them? Yes, out of loyalty, because I think at that point, there's no point in flip-flopping. So I would have stuck with the Suns. And I wasn't burying the Suns after Game 3, but it was sort of a wake-up call where it's like, oh shit, this team is really big, and they can guard, and they're going to make this incredibly difficult. And Chris Paul was not 100%. And so if I had some sort of guarantee that Chris Paul was going to be healthier which he was in game four, I would have felt pretty good about their chances down the stretch in this series. But I think we can all agree that AD going out is a big reason the Suns won as demonstrably as they did. And uh, that's just- Here's how how I'd put it. I I would not guarantee the Lakers would have won that series with the healthy AD, but as soon as he wasn't healthy, I had already checked out on them and was guaranteeing the Suns were going to win that series. I mean, I described that the second half of game four, kind of like that funeral where nobody shows up. I mean, game five back at Phoenix, that was a freaking fiesta, right? I mean, start <laughs> to finish. And then game six, like, I can't describe to you how sad it was watching Anthony Davis come out of the locker room trying to do a Willis Reed impression. It was sort of like he had watched Willis Reed on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this is what Hall of Famers are supposed to do. Like, give it everything they've got. This guy comes walking out. I wouldn't even say he was jogging. Like, he was not even able to jog. He gets into the layup line, tosses up, like, two layups. He honestly looked like me if I was in the layup line, like, trying not to do anything too hard so I don't injure myself in front of people. (laughs) Or, like, trying not to embarrass myself by, like, you know, again, uh, just overexertion. And then he immediately goes to stretch for, like, another 15 minutes of the warm-up. And then they do all these, I mean, some people would call them corny, but they're very like choreographed pregame routines. They're throwing the football around, you know, pretending that they're football players. LeBron loves to do that. AD has always been involved. AD also like runs and jumps into their huddle right as they're getting ready for tip-off. 
And he wasn't even doing that. Like he couldn't muster the energy to fake play football with LeBron before the game. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, now we've got Mark Gasol jumping center, right? And it's just like, okay, uh, this is not going to go well. And literally the first time Anthony Davis tried to do anything in that game, like he was jogging around the court, not even jogging again, half jogging, you know, just kind of playing defense with his hands and like sort of very slowly moving his legs. Yeah. Um, the first time he made a move, it's like, boom, straight to the ground, right? Like Booker uh, drives to the hoop. He's trying to block the shot. He stretches it just that first time and he was done. And that was it. And it was so clear he wasn't going to be coming back in as soon as that happened. I mean, because it was so painful for everybody to watch. Yeah. And honestly, that entire experience as a viewer in person might have been worse than the empty funeral experience, right? It's just like, this is so sad for this guy. What's he even trying to do? And so that's why I asked the question about like the 80 influence because um, Phoenix masterfully smelled blood and stuck it to the Lakers. Oh my but God, the last great. The last 10 quarters of that um that series, like it was basically garbage time. <laughs> right. Well, and I would also add that the first two games were back and forth the entire time with both teams closer to full strength. And that's why I think in retrospect, a lot of people will say that the AD injury was like the entire series, but both of those games were up for grabs. And then the Lakers in the second half of game three started to take over and take control. But like the Suns did that in the second half of game one. And so I think they were evenly matched coming in. And that's one of the reasons like you can't just sort of trick off several months of a regular season because the Lakers put themselves in a bad spot where they had to deal with a team who was really good in the first round of the playoffs when neither one of their superstars were hundred percent. Um, I don't want to talk about the Lakers just yet, though. No, that's fine. I have a Suns take as well. That I mean, it's a borderline self-parody take, but I do firmly believe it. And I'm just curious if this is going to make you upset or if you're actually going to be rational and agree with me. Okay. All the attention went to Devin Booker last night. (laughs) I had no doubt that you were going to come with this shit today. Lay it on me, whatever. 47 points, fantastic game. I'm not going to take anything away from his performance. I mean, as you said, he came out early in game five, came out early in game six, did exactly what they needed in that moment. Uh To me, this series was decided in the second half of game four when the Lakers kind of confidence was shaken and it was like, are we going to give up? Are we not going to give up? And Chris Paul just torched them, right? Down the stretch of that second half, put that game away. So to me, the series was won by Chris Paul in game four, and he didn't really get a lot of the attention. Everyone's (laughs) going straight to book. LeBron even went straight to book with the autographed jersey postgame. Everyone's doing the Kobe Bryant memorial stuff, be legendary, and all this kind of a talk. To me, that series was won by Chris Paul in game four. Again, I'm not trying to diminish what Devin Booker's doing. I'm just saying, like, which one of those guys was more important when it absolutely mattered, when things hung in the balance? To me, it was Chris Paul. And um, I think LeBron snubbed him from his post-game press conference, if I'm not mistaken. I did not hear LeBron name-check Chris Paul. He did not shake his hand on the court after the game. He just took off for the locker room. I'm wondering if that's a situation where, like, it's harder to lose to your brother than to lose to like, you know, uh, a young up and coming star like Booker. And and maybe it's personal. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was strange. It was weird vibes. And so what I'm saying is if LeBron's not going to give Chris Paul the credit, I'm here to give Chris Paul the credit. (laughs) There you go. Grandpa Gulliver. 
Uh, I, I have a question, actually, along those lines. Well, so did you agree, first of all? Do you agree that that's where the series was uh, decided or no? Um, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think a huge part of the series, and it's, if we're looking at like where things were decided and where things started to break right for Phoenix, I would go back to game one where Chris Paul went out. And if you had told anybody coming into that series that Chris Paul was going to be injured like halfway through the first half, uh, people would be like, holy shit. Well, good luck, Phoenix. I mean, as it was, the entire world was picking the Lakers. And yet, uh, Devin Booker played an unbelievable complete game to lead them through game one. And then he put the nail in the coffin in game five, the first quarter. Like that game was over because Booker was so good to open the game. Game six, same deal. Uh, But I think Booker... Watching him throughout this series, it was like watching a family member, and I was rooting for him on those terms. And um, it did occur to me that, like, you know what? He's not going to be able to do this alone. And that is true for literally every star in the league in the same way that Booker needs help from Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder and everybody else. Like, uh, Luca needs Dorian Finney-Smith to hit shots. And so I think Chris Paul coming up, and doing Chris Paul shit, like, in the second half of Game 4, and even in the second half of Game 6, like, that fourth quarter, LeBron was lurking there, and then Chris Paul ran off, like, three or four perfect minutes of Chris Paul shit to win Let me just say, though, that was a fake hustle comeback. I'll tell you that. Like, the Lakers fans in the building, they were really trying to get excited, rallying around it. Look, it was never going to be there, but Chris Paul did kind of drive that final dagger in. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you caught this. I mean, LeBron completely gassed out. He has to, uh, you know, come out for a breather, right? And Chris Paul instantly, first possession, straight to that mid-range jumper, hits it. I think it put him back up like 17. Yep. And it just completely killed the momentum swing the Lakers were trying to to build in that fourth quarter. Again, just a little personal between the brothers, I think, Andrew. I think, <laughs> you know, it was it – was, um, this was real competitive tension, so I enjoyed it. And for Chris Paul – it's the biggest victory of his career. I mean, the only one uh, that I would say would be up there would be beating the Spurs with that game yeah. seven game winner in that first round series. But I think given the circumstances, first of all, given where he's at in his career, given that he was actually injured in both of those series, by the way, but fighting through the injuries, kind of gutting it out. I mean, this feels like the signature victory of his entire career in part because it's coming against LeBron, who he's been in LeBron's shadow since day one, right? I mean, LeBron's mm-hmm. had all the postseason recognition and Chris Paul's always been shortchanged, whether it's MVP conversations or, um, you know, all-time great conversations overshadowed by Steph as well. So this was his moment. Um, and I just, you know, I understand the excitement. 47 book. I get it. But look, <laughs> book could have had 27 and they still would have won that series thanks to Chris Paul. Well, book averaged 30 throughout the series on 47% shooting from the floor. And I will just do a quick bow here because – What did I always say about Devin Booker? Whenever people would start taking shots at him this year, whether it was you or someone else, whenever it would come up on the pod, when there was debate about whether he should be in the All-Star game, all I said every time was, I'm not worried about it. He's going to make all of this clear in the playoffs. Now, when I said that, I wasn't 100% sure it was actually going to happen. Well, I wasn't I mean, envisioning 47 in a closeout game, but holy shit, it was awesome. I was just delirious throughout that game because the Suns, like top to bottom, 
You've got Jay Crowder going nuts. You've got Chris Paul. He's always been one of my favorite players in the league. You've got Book. And then even Aiden, who's not a team sharp guy, but you've tried to stick me with Aiden year after oh, year. You're a huge you're a huge Aiden guy, and you're <laughs> gonna embrace him now. You're gonna run with it now that he's actually kind of good. Yeah, well, all of those guys were working together to bury the fraud ass Lakers. And uh well, it was let just me just say you've been telling me about Booker and his postseason abilities for six years now. You and everybody else, right? So it's nice to see the breakthrough. It took long enough. Yeah. Um I would also say that he looked a lot better when Anthony Davis wasn't on the court than when Anthony Davis was on the court because he had a lot of people to pick on, right? There were some real defensive weak links in that situation. Go back to games two and game three. I mean, I, I didn't think he played that well, um, you know, in, in those games. And again, I, you know, when I'm saying game four was kind of the swing game of the series, again, I thought it was Chris who carried it, not Book. So yeah. I still think he's got a little bit to prove. Of course, you know, he closes strong. He closes with the momentum. So he gets the big stat numbers. But, um, you know, we'll see how this thing goes. Look, what do you man, think? There, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for Booker to continue proving himself. There are four doors to open on the advent calendar. I'm, I'm building ready. a diverse color palette for you. Uh, this next shirt is going to be orange. It is incredibly obnoxious. The conference final shirt is going to be purple. And then um, we'll see where we net out on the finals. But for now, uh, well, yeah. The good news for him is he's going to get to go against a really hampered backcourt, you know, in Denver. And we saw, you know, Denver struggle to contain Lillard throughout that series. I mean, I wouldn't even use the word contain. They were on the court with him. Like he was pretty much doing whatever the heck he wanted in that first round series. So, he better step up. I'm saying the, the pressure, you know, if we're going to do all this Kobe stuff after the first <laughs> playoff appearance in six years and we're going to overshadow Chris Paul and all this, and he doesn't have to go against NBA caliber guards because he's going against two-way players on the Denver backcourt, I mean, I just – the expectations are going to be there. I mean, well, yeah. We're going to have to see it. Jokic is so, so good that facing the Nuggets is not a sure thing by any means. No matter how well the Suns are playing right now, Chris Paul is going to have to be healthy for them to move on in that series. Um, but yeah, for the sake of the podcast, I'm taking Denver. You know, good. this isn't even like – yeah, I just think it's better. You know, it's <laughs> – <laughs> Well, like I said, I mean – the Suns, it's it's like someone built a team that would perfectly reflect all of my basketball takes. And I like that you were going to ride with Jokic because you've been on the Jokic bandwagon since before it was cool this season. So I think that sets us up perfectly for round two. We can talk a little bit more about round two later in the podcast. But you mentioned the Kobe stuff after the game. Did you also happen to see LeBron? I'll read you this quote. He said, I love everything about D-Book. We've had numerous conversations in the past. When you want to be legendary in this game, you've got, to you've got to continue to improve not only your game, but also as a man. All the conversations we've had, I can tell he's soaked them up and is using them to his advantage. So... Was LeBron like sort of taking credit for Devin Booker's success? Was that sort of like a pat on the head situation? And if so, who should be more offended? Should it be Devin Booker or Chris Paul for getting no acknowledgement whatsoever from LeBron? Well, I mean, it goes back to the Jersey thing, you know, like mm. you've been Chris Paul's best friend. You guys have been on banana boats together <laughs> and you're, you're going to sign your Jersey put it with a little King logo and give it to his teammate. You know what yeah. I mean? And 
make sure to pose for that photo. I, you know, this is my conspiracy theory. I think that they took that photo because LeBron realized the optics of him yep. leaving the bench mm-hmm. was just too negative and it wasn't good sportsmanship. And I have actually praised LeBron repeatedly for being a good sportsman when he loses and always going out of his way to shake people's hands. Greg Popovich, uh, Curry, those guys, you know, Kevin Durant. I mean, they've always done that uh, in situations where he's lost. I think he bolted because he was so annoyed at Jay Crowder dancing. And you were saying Jay Crowder's <laughs> playing out of his mind. Jay Crowder, I mean, come on. Like, oh, he had on, a rough on, series for Crowder, a lot of it. When it was dark for Team Sharp, before we came storming back, Crowder was like 0 for 20 to start this series. It was a complete disaster. I was reliving our arguments about Jay Crowder months ago. You're thinking like, man, if we only had Harrison Barnes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he hit some big shots down the stretch. He did. No, game six. Game six, he was big early. You know, it was was him and Book. And they, I mean, they kind of took turns breaking the Lakers back. But that's why the AD injury and like whether he should have played in game six or not was like completely irrelevant because, you know, they they came out and they smelled blood, like I said earlier. Um, I think Chris Paul should be more offended. That's an awful lot of praise that you just read you know, Hmm. to Devin Booker. And again, I mean, this is a relationship, USA basketball, Um, you know, their families hang out together. How many pictures have we seen with them wine glasses in some like Caribbean Island that we're never going to be able to afford to go to. And then Chris in the first matchup between the two of them in their postseason careers combined, I want to say it was like 369 postseason games between the two of them before they came into this series <laughs> first yeah. time they ever meet chris wins and it's like it didn't happen in lebron's universe kind of wild man kind of wild it's like the selective editing everybody was accusing mj of yeah. in the last dance was playing out before our eyes you know well and i i i hesitate to make this too much about lebron's reactions like toward the end of the game Did you see, like, with about two minutes left in the fourth quarter before LeBron left the game, he, like, lost his shit at an official and then just walked up and down the court complaining about not getting calls? Honestly, I was surprised. I thought that he would have gotten more calls in that game, but the refs just weren't buying it as he was attacking the rim. And And the Suns played really good defense and made his life hard in there and didn't foul him every time he got to the hoop. But um, did you notice that? Because I was wondering whether it was crazier in Staples uh, because like the camera panned away from whatever he was saying to that ref at the end of the game. He went through real journeys in games five and six. I mean, five, he leaves the bench really early. And the cover story is, oh, he's got to go get started on his ankle treatment. What? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Uh, You know, and then his post game, he was pretty despondent after game five and that's part of the reason why I was predicting the Suns to win in game six. Cause I was like, look, this is not like put the whole team on my back, LeBron. This is, I've run the computer calculations in my mind and we're not pulling this thing off. So let's just try to get out of here. Um, you know, that version of LeBron. Yeah. You know, look, he was upset at the foul calls. I, you know, but I don't, I mean, deep down, do I believe the Lakers really thought they were ever going to win game six? No, they didn't carry themselves like a team that thought it was going to win at any point of that contest. When you're making panic substitutions to your starting lineup and benching Drummond, you know, when you're looking around for some of these guys to step up and hit shots, they haven't been hitting shots all series long. Again, it wasn't this crazy, overwhelming physical performance from LeBron, a number of really questionable, careless turnovers 
and do credit the Suns for active hands, closing passing lanes and all that. LeBron had a bunch of bad, bad turnovers in this series and uncharacteristically so. Yeah. Um, he just wasn't, you know, kind of orchestrating like he typically does. And so I, I go back to the fact that I don't think he was that close to 100%. And I'm sure that was kind of grinding his gears. And then when you're in those closing moments of that game, reality does hit you and you're starting to like play those, you know, mind games of like, wow, how is this going to be received? Like first time I've ever lost in the first round. Mm-hmm. We've got all these free agents. Are you know are people are going to say we're done? I'm not going to get that fifth ring. So all the mic stands are going to come out of the woodwork. <laughs> um, and then I think sometimes LeBron goes into this different mentality where it's like, look, if I can't win, I at least have to go viral, right? Like I mm-hmm. at least have to like get all the attention. So that's where the jersey thing comes from. That's where the Space Jam quip comes from. You know, like oh I God. just. He laid it on pretty. That's where the um, you know, the cast on his wrist. You remember that from the finals? That's yep. where that comes from. Like, he, I mean, look, the guy is the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> There's no way around it. But nobody loves to do self myth making more than LeBron. You know? Yeah. All right, that is the end of the free preview of this episode. If you'd like to hear more, you can go to goat.supportingcast.fm. I've also included a link to that site in our show notes for today's episode. Go there, subscribe. You can hear the rest of today's show, plus two episodes per week that Ben and I will record. We'd love to have you subscribe, and the next few months should be fun.